It's good to be here this evening. Good to see the presence of all that are here. We had an illness tonight, so I'm filling in, and hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll be edified by being here tonight uh, through the song service and the prayer and then what we have to study. And tonight I want us to visit just a little while in the book of Galatians and Paul's admonition to the church there, and hopefully we can glean uh, some benefit and admonition for ourselves in how to deal with uh, how to deal with some of the trouble in the church. In the book of Galatians, as you began to read about the church in Galatia, they had some false teachers that came uh, into the church and began to teach false doctrine. Uh, the apostle Paul, as he was commissioned by Jesus Christ, Jesus sent him to work with the Gentiles, uh, probably for his benefit of if he went back to the Jews, they would probably kill him. And I think he indicates that through some of his writings. But Jesus wanted him to focus to the Gentiles. And Galatia was uh, one of those Gentile churches that Paul had worked with. And now as Paul's writing to the church there at Galatia, he's writing about some false teachers that had come in and how some of uh, the church at Galatia was changing their mind or uh, being led away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And instead of handling that problem in the right way, in a way that would uh, bless the church, they began to bind and devour one another. And so I've subtitled uh, this lesson, The Self-Destruction of a Church. Usually an organization that destructs or uh, is destroyed, a lot of times is destroyed from inside. Uh, I heard a statement the other day, we were watching a movie uh, about a band, and uh, the common saying for bands are, the reason they, uh, they quit being a band is because they began to devour each other in the band. Everybody wants preeminence in that band, and everybody wants to go on their own and do their solo work. And so some of the bands that we like to hear and over the years... Some of those have been destroyed because of the preeminence and the devouring of each other inside that, that band. A lot of organizations are that way too. People began to fight and devour one another. And it's no different with the church today. If we fight and devour one another, then we don't do the work of evangelizing those around us and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ Instead, we began to focus on each other, and pretty soon we destroy one another. And so the admonition of Paul, as he writes to the church of Galatia, is very important for us to pay attention to uh, in dealing with false doctrine and things that are in the church. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 15, he makes this statement, But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one another. And so the admonition here is that, that we need to be very careful. And when people start to bite and devour one another, they are consumed. The word consumed there infers that we're destroyed. Uh, the inference comes from animals, uh, one animal eating another animal. You know, you have the lion that's the king of the jungle, so to say, and he chases another animal down, and he begins to bite and devour that animal, and pretty soon that animal is consumed. It's gone. 
And it's the way with the church. When we bite and devour one another, we consume each other, and therefore the church is destroyed. And we need to take heed to Paul's admonition. There was a problem in the church at Galatia, so we were going to back up and get a little bit of history here. As Paul writes to them in Galatians chapter 1, he says, O foolish Galatians, who have bewitched you, that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. And so he begins to ask them, Who has changed your mind? Who has put you in a spell that you would not obey the truth of the gospel, that you would turn from Jesus Christ, the very Jesus Christ whom Paul had evidently set before him? Now, my reading is from the King James, and uh, when you read that, sometimes... The word evidently there, we use that in, in a way that evidently or maybe so. You know, evidently that happened. Well, we need to be very careful about that. He's talking about, he has laid out before the Galatians in a very, uh, in a very evident way, a very precise way that Jesus had died on the cross and had been resurrected. He did that methodically. He did that with evidence. He did that with testimony. And so that's what he's saying. I've laid this out, this case for Jesus Christ, out before you in a truthful way. With testimony, with evidences, so that you would believe Jesus Christ. But someone has come in among you and has changed your mind. They have put you in a spell. They bewitched you. So that you would not believe the truth. And so we know there were false teachers that came in <clears throat> among the Galatians and began to teach this false doctrine they, to, to bring them back to Judaism is what it was. In Galatians 5 verse 4, it says, Christ has become of no effect unto you, whosoever you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. All throughout the letter... To the Galatians, he talks about the law of Moses and circumcision and, and being um, justified <clears throat> Pardon me, by the law of Moses. And he says, if you're justified by that law, the law of Moses, that we read about in the Old Covenant, if that's what justifies you before God, you are fallen from grace. You don't get the benefit of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ didn't benefit the law of Moses. That was a different law, a different covenant. And Jesus died on the cross and nailed it to the cross. And he has set you free from that burden. And now we are under grace and truth of Jesus Christ. And he says, if you go back to that law, to be justified before God, then you are fallen from grace. And so he admonishes the church here to beware of what they were listening to and what they were being uh, bewitched by. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 12 through 13, it says, As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are, are circumcised keep the law. But desire to have you circumcised that you may glory in your flesh. And so he's talking about these Judaizers, these people that came in and began to teach this mosaical law. And it says they wanted to constrain the brethren there to be circumcised. So you're talking about Gentiles who had never experienced that. And now these, these Jewish teachers were coming in saying, you've got to be circumcised to be righteous with God. 
Constrain means to force or to convince to a point of you've got to do this to be right with God. And he said these people uh, constrained them to be circumcised only lest they should suffer the persecution of the cross of Christ. There were some who were teaching that old law because if, if you converted to Jesus Christ, if you converted to Christianity, you would suffer persecution. And the Apostle Paul even confirms that of himself. I have the stripes to prove that is what he tells the Galatians. I've suffered that persecution. And so here he begins to tell them, beware of these people that they... They change your mind or convert you. For they neither themselves who are circumcised keep the law. These people that are teaching this false doctrine, they can't keep the law themselves. There's no way to do that. That's why Christ finished the law, because it couldn't be kept. Jesus said it is finished on the cross. It is finished. And he says these teachers that come into you teaching this circumcision, they themselves cannot keep the law. For righteous or to be righteous before God. He says, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. The outward observance of the law of Moses, that's what they wanted. They wanted these people to be converted back to Judaism so they could say, look, we have a convert or a proselyte. That's what they wanted. And that's the trouble that the church at Galatia had, a Gentile church being converted to Judaism or out of Jesus Christ back to the law of Moses. Now then, the Apostle Paul is not telling them that they shouldn't deal with false doctrine. But he's telling them that in dealing with this false doctrine, they're doing it the wrong way. They're going about biting and devouring one another. And when you do that, you consume the church. You destroy the church. And so there's a way in handling uh, this false doctrine. You know, among the church at Galatia, and evidently in Rome too, there were weaker brethren. Every one of us here tonight are on a different level of our spirituality. Some are more mature in their spirituality. Some are just beginning in their spirituality and their knowledge and understanding. So we are all at different levels, and we can't expect each other to know all there is to know about God. Even I don't know about all the things about God. I have to study. I have to pray and ask for God wisdom. I search daily the scriptures. And we all should do that. There's none of us that know all the will of God to the point that we're perfect. And so we need to give a little bit of understanding to each other. When we're discussing scripture and false doctrine. That doesn't mean we put up with false doctrine. But it means we handle it in a way that doesn't destroy the church. Paul said, I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment whosoever he be. So even Paul says this false teacher or these false teacher uh, teachers are going to bear their judgment. They're going to be responsible for their teaching And he even goes on to say, I wish they were even cut off that trouble you. So there is maybe even a point when false teachers need to be cut off or cast out uh, in in their false teaching. So Paul is not saying you just need to put up with false teaching. But he says you need to handle it in the right way because 
Sometimes we handle it in a wrong way. We destroy others that may not be as spiritually strong as we are. And he mentions these weaker brethren. In Romans chapter 14, verse 1, he says, Him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations. For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. So there are sometimes, brethren, that uh, in, in specifically in Rome here, he was talking about maybe those who were converted out of Judaism into the church. Well, some of those believed they couldn't eat certain meats under the law of Moses. That's what they had been taught all their life. That's what they understood. And so for the Romans who could eat meats and believed in eating meats, he said, don't condemn the weaker brother because he believes he still can't eat meat. There may be a time of adjustment, a time of learning, a time where a person has to understand what Christ did for them. To understand that he had liberated them from the law of Moses. And so for a new convert to come in, a weaker brother who doesn't understand the whole will of God, for us to condemn them would be wrong. It would be to destroy them. Because they still in their mind and what they believed, believed it was wrong. But on the other hand, those who are weak, those who say, well, you know, I, I'm not supposed to eat these certain meats. They're not to condemn those who believe they can't eat those meats. What we're to do is consider one another and have compassion on one another and to study with one another so that we come to the fullness of Jesus Christ, to the understanding of what Jesus wants for us. Now then, if someone comes in from the outside and says, you need to be circumcised and follow the law of Moses to be right with God, we need to sit down and have a discussion. We don't need to, to just condemn someone right away. They may not have an understanding of that. And so we need to open the Bible. And that's why it's so important for us to understand the will of God. It's so important for us to know our scriptures so that we can have those discussions in helping someone see the truth. So he says the church at Galatia was biting and devouring one another. Now then, is Paul saying you're not supposed to defend the truth? No, that's not what he's saying. When he says biting and devour, bite is to wound the soul or cut, to lacerate, to rend with reproaches. Have you ever heard someone get into a Bible discussion and you're discussing scripture and then all of a sudden it turns personal? We began to call each other names or, you know, well, you just, you just, you know, you're a nitwit. You just don't know what you're talking about. You know, it gets personal, right? And that's what he's saying. He's saying you begin to, de- to bite one another. You, it, it becomes not a discussion of Scripture, a, not a study of Scripture, but a, it becomes personal now. You're calling each other names. You're wounding the other brother or the other person. You're cutting them and rending them with reproaches that may not be true. That's what biting is. Devouring means to eat down or by ru- uh, to ruin by inflicting injury. You know, when we want to win the argument so bad that we'll pull out the big hammer and smash the other person. 
and make them cower in the corner. We ruin people that way. That's not what Christ wants us to do. He wants us to teach people. He wants us to lift each other up. And he says when we bite and devour in this way, he said we consume each other. We destroy. I've heard all my life about people talking about the church of Christ and and how we just condemn people to hell and things like that. Perhaps maybe it came from arguing and biting and devouring people so that we just want to win this argument so bad that a person is destroyed that they have no use for the Lord's church anymore. And that's not what Christ will for us as his people are. We are to teach the truth. We're to share his love for to other people. We're to share his truth to other people in a way that will bring them along, that will bring them to Christ Jesus. Proverbs 18 verse 21 tells us, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. So in our tongue, we have the power of death. People call each other names all the time. You know, there's a, uh, even on on the internet anymore, on Facebook, and people get offended because they're being threatened or perhaps harassed and people committing suicide because they're harassed. That's the tongue. We have the power of death in our tongue. We can, we can hurt someone's soul by what we say and or how we say it. We can destroy someone or we can give them life with our tongue. We can teach them the word of God with love and grace. And we can give them eternal life by what we say and how we say that. The power of life and death in the tongue. So let's be aware of how we use that. In Colossians 4 verse 6 it says, Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. I used this passage one time, and a man asked me, so you mean we we need to change the truth? That's not what he says here. He didn't say change the truth. He says, let your speech be always with grace. When I think of the word grace, it simply means favor. That's what the word grace means, favor. And so when I talk to someone about the word of God, I talk to them because I, I want to show them favor. I want them to know the truth of God. And so I'm going to talk to them in a way that shares with them the love of Jesus Christ. The truth of Jesus Christ. Because I favor them with grace and mercy. And it says also seasoned with salt that you may know how to answer every man. Now then, when we salt our food, we use salt to make it palatable. You know, sometimes we'll get green beans on the plate and they may taste bland and we put a little salt on them. It makes them palatable, right? It makes them so we'll eat them. I was going to use Brussels sprouts, but some people wouldn't eat Brussels sprouts even with salt on them. So, But we use salt so that it's just a little more flavorful. It's palatable. We can... We might eat something that we wouldn't ordinarily like, but it's, it tastes better with salt. And that's what he's saying. The way you say things makes a difference to people. He's not saying change the truth. 
But he's saying the attitude you use to say it in makes it different in people. It makes it where they'll listen to you. If you approach someone in a hateful way or a, a, I'm a better than you attitude, people are not going to listen. They're going to shut down. And we have the truth of Jesus Christ. And we need to share that with people. And so we need to season our speech so that they'll listen. We need to season it because we want them to know. That's speaking to them with grace and favor. We want them to know what we get to enjoy and appreciate in Jesus Christ. But a lot of times we talk to people with our fleshly voice. With our fleshly voice. In Galatians chapter 5, as he is continuing to the church at Galatia about this biting and devouring. He said, this, this I say then, walk in the spirit that you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the, lu- the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to another so that you cannot do the things that you would. And so when we're discussing, when we're facing a, a, a discussion like that, we need to check whether we're talking out of our spirit the Spirit of God, or we're talking about our fleshly spirit. There's a lot of times the old flesh decides, I want to win this argument. And I'm going to pull out the biggest hammer I can. Sometimes the old flesh says, I know more than you, so I'm going to show you that I do. And that's how we talk to people. Or I'm better than you. That's the flesh. That's that fleshly part of us. And he says when we live in that and we talk in that, we cannot do the things we would. The things that we're supposed to be doing. When we're living in that flesh, when we're talking in that flesh, we cannot do the things that we should be doing or could be doing. Converting the law, sharing the gospel because we're talking in a fleshly way. And it's not palatable to people. So, this is an admonition that he tells the church at at Galatia. Watch how you you talk to people. Don't bite and devour each other. The calling names, getting personal, that kind of things, getting agitated and having hatred for someone. Just getting mad because they don't understand. You know, sometimes someone will ask us a question and and we'll we'll think to ourselves, well, you ought to know that by now. You know, the scripture says that if we lack wisdom, let us ask God who giveth liberally and upbraideth not. The word upbraid there is exactly what what I just got through saying. When we tell somebody, well, you ought to know that by now, that's upbraiding them. I think the way God sees it is as long as you're asking questions, you're seeking If you're asking a Bible question, you're seeking knowledge and God's going to give it to you. God wants you to know it. And we should be the same way. When people ask us questions about the scriptures, that that's a blessing. That's, you know, we used to go knock doors and hunt someone to talk to. (laughs) But when someone comes to us and says, what does this mean in the Bible? That's study number one. (laughs) That's open the book and let's study it. That's someone seeking knowledge and wisdom. And we should step in and be glad to give it. Glad to study with people. And then if we're walking in the spirit of God, if we're 
if we're talking to people out of love and compassion and grace and seasoning our speech, then we can do the things that we should be doing. We can share the love of Jesus Christ. In Galatians 5 verse 19, he says this, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft. And we read this verse and we talk about all the fleshly, lustful, sinful things. But then he gets into the inside of man. And he says, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife. Seditions, heresies, envyings. You see, those are listed with all of the, the, the very vile things that we think of. And adultery and fornication and lasciviousness and idolatry. Hatred. And all of those things that come from the inside of man. They're listed there too. Strife and variance. Wrath. Being just mad at people. Envyings. When I envy somebody, or I'm jealous of somebody, or I think I'm better than you. That's in this list. That's the flesh speaking. That's the flesh that we live in. He says, don't speak out of those things. Because you can't do what you should be doing when you talk out of the flesh. These are the works of the flesh. So how do we, how do we deal with these things? How do we deal with false prophets and how do we uh, take care of uh, misconceptions about doctrine in the church? Well, I believe there's three ways. One, we do it out of goodness. We do it out of knowledge and we do it by teaching. In Romans 15 verse 14, it says, and I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able also to admonish one another. So this was Paul's admonition to the church at Rome. And he says, I'm convinced, I'm persuaded that these things are in you. You're full of goodness. You're filled with the knowledge, the knowledge of God. And you will admonish one another. You teach one another. And I believe when we do these things, we will keep from devouring Ourselves, We won't bite and devour ourselves. And by doing these things, we'll know when false doctrine approaches. And we can deal with those things as they happen. So let's talk about goodness. Well, goodness is listed in the works of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit. This is listed right after the works of the flesh that we just got through talking about. And Paul tells the Galatians the works of the flesh. He says, when you... When you bite and devour one another, when you talk in such a way that you destroy, that's the work of the flesh. But here's what you need. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. We walk with these things. Love for our brethren. Joy in our life because of Jesus Christ. Peace, knowing that we're at peace with God and each other. Goodness, that's just, that's being good. That's being good. And he said, these are the fruit of the Spirit. This is what we're to walk in, not the works of the flesh. 
Because when we walk in that fleshly thing, we bite and devour and we destroy the church. But when we walk in these fruits of the Spirit, these fruits come forth in our life, then we do the things that we should be doing. We promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. We convert those that are in the world lost. We teach Jesus. And we can handle false doctrines when they come in the church. Fulfill you my joy that you may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem each other better than themselves. This is a good admonition for us. That, that we be of the same mind, one accord, and one mind. How do we get there? We study with each other. We love each other. We're walking to the same goal, in the same direction. And we admonish one another, and we love each other, and we study with each other. We discuss Scripture with each other. I know, brethren, over uh, in this United States, and I've been in congregations that brethren are afraid to discuss Scripture with each other. And I'm going to tell you something. When brethren cannot open the Bible and discuss a scripture in love with desire to know more from each other, then we can't study the word of God with the world. And that's our mission, the world. That's who we're supposed to be studying with. Going out and spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we can't do it with each other, we, we're not going to do it with the world and therefore not fulfill our mission as the church. But he says, let nothing be done with strife and vainglory. None of us are better than the other. We shouldn't think that we know more than each other, that I'm better than you, or I know more than you, or I want to be preeminent in this place. But he said, this is how you're to think. With the lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than self. So when we look at each other, this is how we're to look at each other. And to think about, I'm to lower myself and esteem you better than myself. I want the best for you. I want you to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. I want you to share a heavenly home with me. I want you to be there. And that's how we are to approach each other. That's the way our relationship is to be. With lowliness of mind, not in vainglory. When we do that, we'll share the love with each other. Now then, knowledge. Goodness is a part of that, and the way we act and the way we walk. But we're to have knowledge, the knowledge of God. In Colossians 1, beginning in verse 9, it says, And to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you may walk worthy of the Lord in all pleasing, being fruitful of every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So what makes us fruitful in every good work? That's godly work. What makes us fruitful? We've got to know the will of God. We've got to open our Bibles. We've got to study and we've got to read. And so when someone asks us about why we believe what we do, do... Or why the church practices the way they practice. We need to know the will of God. 
We're going to be judged. We preach that all the time. We're going to be judged by the word of God. It's the word that I have spoken unto you. Those words will judge you in the last day. And yet sometimes we, as the church, just trust on the name of the church instead of reading the will of God. That very word that's going to judge us. We need to be in the word. That's how we gain this knowledge. That's how we're beneficial and fruitful in the work of the Lord. We've got to know his will. Second Timothy 2, verse 2. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. We've got to take that knowledge that God has given us in his will and teach someone else that will, that word, that knowledge. Don't keep it to yourselves. When you learn something, you're full of knowledge. You teach somebody that. You share that, what you've learned with someone else. I know a lot of us do that here. We'll get in the back and, you know what I learned today? Or I just read this and this is fascinating. And we'll share a passage of scripture with one of the other brethren and say, man, I learned this today. When we learn something, pass it on. When you learn the knowledge of God, teach someone else that they can teach someone else. And that's how we keep the will of God flowing through the ages. I am thankful that brethren that I have known in the past shared their, their knowledge with me. That they would sit down with me and say, here's what I've learned and here's what I believe this means and here's what I think the Lord's teaching us. And I would take that and I would build upon that. I would study that for myself and learn more. There are a lot of things that I would read in there and I would have a a preconceived idea about what this passage means. And then an older brother would come by and say, well, have you ever thought about it this way? And he would share what he, he knows with me and I'd go... (laughs) <laughs> I had it wrong. That's what it really means, is what he shared with me. Now it makes more sense. Have you ever been there? There have been a lot of times, rather than have shared with me something, and I go, ah. It's just like the, the window of heaven was opened up, and I learned something. Share what you know, so that someone can teach someone else. In Colossians 1, verse 28 whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And here's the goal for our teaching, is that every person can be complete. That's what the word perfect there means. Every person can be complete in Jesus Christ. That's our goal. We want to carry the image of Jesus Christ And in order to do that, we teach each other. We teach the other person so that they can become more like Jesus Christ and that we can become more like Jesus Christ when someone teaches us something. So that's how we deal with false teaching. Now, there's some other procedural things we're not getting in tonight. You know, it may be that one of the elders has to stand up against false doctrine, that kind of thing. But my point tonight is that when we know the knowledge of God, we have his wisdom and we study, we'll know when a false doctrine is, uh, is approaching. I remember studying with an uh, older evangelist who's gone on uh, many years now 
when I was young, I would study with him, and I said, you know, I need to learn all of these false doctrines. I need to learn about all these religions and what they teach. And, and, and I was just really excited. I thought, well, you know, that's the way to do that. If I learn what that religion believes, then I'll know uh, when they approach. And this religion over here, and he says, well, why don't you just learn the truth? And then when all those false doctrines come in, you'll know, you'll, you'll recognize it. And, you know, I thought, you know, that's wisdom. Learn the truth. Learn the teachings of Jesus. And then when a false doctrine approaches, you'll be able to see it. You'll, you'll recognize it when, it when it knocks on your door, if you know the truth, the knowledge of God. And we learn that through gaining knowledge and teaching others. So how do we maintain this peace in the congregation without biting and devouring one another? Well, we stop biting and devouring one another. If you, if, if you believe something that, or maybe I say something that you don't believe, then we need to sit down with the Word. We need to open the Scripture. And we need to do it as brothers and sisters in Christ. Instead of biting and devouring each other and calling each other name and wounding each other's souls. We need, to, we need to do it in love. We need to stay away from gossip, the contentions that destroy peace among brethren. Because sometimes gossip begins us biting and devouring one another. We need to stay away from that. And I believe one of the best keys is to have lowliness of mind. Let each other esteem other better than self. That's showing love towards other, the other person. I'm to esteem you. I'm to lift you up. To show you love. I'm not to have vain glory or desire vain glory over you. Or to want preeminence over you or think I'm better than you. But I'm to lift you up. And if, you're li- if, if I'm lifting you up and you're lifting me up... Then the church is growing. We're gaining knowledge and we're growing love one toward another. And and we're showing the love that Jesus wants us to have. Desire to know and increase in the knowledge of God. Desire means to seek for it. To strain for it. That's what the desire means here. Do you desire to know the will of God? That you'll open the book and say, what, what, what does this mean? And, and dig it out and to learn it. Desire to know and increase in the knowledge of God. Season your speech and learn how to answer with wisdom. Not with, not with cruel words, not with name calling, and not with assaulting someone's personality or their, their good looks or... Uh, you know, your hair is too short or, you, you know, your shoes are uh, not matched or whatever it might be that, you know, that we think of to offend someone that doesn't increase the, the love of brethren. Learn how to answer someone with the wisdom and knowledge of God. How you say things makes a difference. You know... I was out playing with the dog today. I was throwing the ball, and she run and fetch it. And, and I, I was thinking about my old dog and, and this very point. And I tried it one time. You know, you talk kind of goo-goo to your dog, and, you know, oh, you're a good dog, and the tail wags and the ears perk up. And, uh, 
And then if you scream at the dog, if you yell and shout at the dog, the dog cowers. But if you say, you're the ugliest dog I ever saw, the dog will still wag its tail. (laughs) Right? How you say things makes a difference sometimes. So, season your speech and know how to answer with wisdom. Learn to control the tongue. James tells us in James 3 verse 8, an unruly evil and full of deadly poison. Just by what we say can destroy someone. Don't bite and devour people. Let's let's love each other. Let's stand up for the truth because we know the knowledge of God and we've studied the wisdom and we share that with each other and And when we're confronted with a false doctrine, we can deal with that without destroying the church. And I'm sure in in the church at Galatia, there were some, these false doctrines had come in and some began to believe it, as Paul evidently indicated, by who has bewitched you. And, And instead of discussing the scripture, perhaps those that were defending against that started calling names and and profaning someone, and then it just destroys the church. And therefore, we're not the candlestick that shines the glory of Jesus anymore. We're destroyed. So as we close tonight, I'm going to leave you with 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 14. Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly. Comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient towards all men. Be patient towards all men. Sometimes it takes people a long time to come to the knowledge that you have. I had a brother tell me, uh, oh, it's been several months ago, but we'd been in a discussion about a doctrine or a scripture in the Bible for a, for about a year. And we would write each other emails and we're on the phone occasionally and we're discussing this and he's going, but what about this? And I'm going, but what about this? And here's what the Bible says. And he, he finally one day he said, he said, brother, I want, I want you to know I appreciate you because you've been patient with me. And I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, it's taken me a year. To come to the understanding of that passage. And you know that that made a difference to me. Sometimes it takes time for people to come to the same knowledge that you have. Maybe you've been studying something for years and years and years. And you understand it. But there may be someone else that wants that knowledge. That just quite don't understand it. And we need to be patient with people. We need to teach the truth. And we need to teach them in a way that it's palatable without personal uh, injuries and calling, name callings and bad attitude and, and anger and wrath towards people. We need to be patient in teaching the Word of God. And if we do these things, then we will not bite and devour one another and destroy the church. And I think Paul's admonition to the church at Galatia is good for us. As we think about our walk in Christ, walk in the spirit, not the flesh. Talk to people in the spirit and not the flesh. Share your love of Christ with them and the church will grow. The church will flourish and not be destroyed. 
If you're subject to the gospel call tonight, Paul told the Galatians that Jesus Christ was evidently set before them crucified. He had taught them that Jesus died for their sins. That he was buried and rose again the third day. And that, through that gospel, they could have eternal life. And it's the same gospel that gives us eternal life today. And if you're subject to that gospel, we want to invite you to obey your Lord and Master tonight. Be buried with him in baptism. Arise to walk in the newness of life, walking in the Spirit as he is laid out in, in his word. If you're in need of prayer for some reason tonight and we can assist you with that, we'll be glad to pray with you as you come forward and uh, as we stand and sing the song that's been selected.